Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Mike Boris, and this is Straight Talk. You've probably known about me maybe 10 years or whatever it is. Oh, he's got a gun on. He's a confident guy. It took me 28 years to fully feel worthy of love and worthy of my disability. Meeting my tribe and my community changed my life. Way better than winning any Grand Slam. Thank you, everyone. The amount of things that you do is crazy, okay? Did you burn out? I was gone, mate. But I really do work hard. And I'll do that forever, and I'll be curious forever. I think curiosity is a cure for lots of things. And I'm wondering if you do that, load yourself up with commitments, so it puts you in a place where you never really have time to think about what is really bothering you. You're going to love this. We won't talk about it. There's nothing too sensitive here. <laughs> oh, my God. Dylan Alcott, welcome to Straight Talk, mate. About time we do this, brother. Yeah, but we keep changing and chopping change because you're so fucking busy. Mate, you you're coming from you. No, mate, dude, you're... You just come back from the States, you're then you're at the footy, like yeah. How was the footy last night, by the way? Yeah, we went to the Matildas game and one, what they've done for inclusion of women's sports and just the general vibe. I don't know if you saw that video I put up during the quarterfinal. I was at the MCG watching Carlton Melbourne and there Your was side. about three people watching the AFL and fifty thousand people inside. It? And I literally almost stood up when we won that penalty. I was that excited. And um it it was incredible. But also, you're allowed to be disappointed. You know what I mean? Like, and I think I think they would be um, as well. That they were so close to the World Cup. But after the fact, they'll be proud of what happened. But you know, as someone who came from a sporting background where no one really cared, Paralympic sport, and to see what they've been able to do, you know, I remember they were saying, I think seven years ago there was like three three hundred people watching them in lead up to the World Cup, and then they had eighty thousand and probably six million people watching on TV. Unbelievable, mate! Really unbelievable. Actually, I, was, I did see that video. I think you said this is the closest I've ever come to standing. Closest I've ever been standing. Up. Is, I'm is that what you, did, you said? That, mate, did you? I did. I thought <laughs> I, my, I thought I was cured. I was going to call someone <laughs> and be like the Matildas. <laughs> unbelievable! Uh, all this medical research. Don't know that. You just need a bloody World Cup win, and then I'm back. <laughs> yeah, it was just. Pr- look, they did make us feel really proud, and it's it's pretty interesting. Like as you said, like in terms of inclusion, but um, women's. I, I've been to four World Cup men's finals and although we're not in the final I went to um, I went to Mexico I went to uh, Rome I've been to uh, I went to um, Paris uh, when when the French won and I was in uh, Germany and uh, in Berlin and this I mean obviously Australia wasn't playing in the finals but I was more excited watching the girls uh, or the women uh, play the, uh, last night than I've ever been at any stage, but I was also equally more disappointed than I have been at any stage. I mean, I was actually so flat. 
I didn't I fucking shattered. sleep properly. I, didn't, I couldn't sleep properly last night. I was gen- and and I, uh, my manager and my family's going to laugh because when I would lose a big match, the first thing people say, oh, I'm so proud of you, you should be proud. I go, like, let me be disappointed. It's yeah. like, yeah, of course I'm proud of what we've done, but I'm shattered. And that's natural as an athlete. And I think they would be shattered. Obviously, they're proud. And, um, but I was Devo for them. I was so Devo because it was, they deserved to win. However, sometimes you've got to go, the other team was better. And they were great. Yeah, they, they really were, were great, the, the, uh, the English women. But I think what I was really proud of as well is I pride myself on, as an athlete, you know, authenticity and, and vulnerability because that's how you relate to people, whether it's in your business life, in your personal life. They were such a relatable team, weren't they? Like that's yeah. why Australia got behind them so well. They opened up their doors. They really, in their interviews, really talked about how much it meant to be there and things like that. And that's why I think we all gravitated towards them. And I was going to ask you, what, what, because it is quite interesting. I mean, it, it dragged people, kids, women, men, what people who would not ordinarily watch it. Like you, I was at a, a Roosters uh, match watching the game Saturday last week when and uh, in the uh, quarterfinals and – the crowd was cheering outside of the game. Yeah. Like, so, in other words, the game's going and the players are looking around and saying, what the hell? Why I did nothing. Yeah, I'm the AFL too. We just had a scrum. What, what's the big deal? Someone got a handball on the wing and everyone's cheering. Yeah. They're like, that wasn't a pretty normal handball. It was great. Yeah. And, and, and what, but what do you think it is? I mean, do you, you said vulnerability, authenticity. Um, what is it about the women that sort of gave us permission to really love watching them? Well, I think that relatability of them – are really being grateful and appreciative of the moment because they've come from a sporting, you know, I'm, you know, on the outside, I'm not speaking on behalf of them, but I can only speak on behalf of myself. And, you know, I came from a place, my first Australian Open, there was three people watching. My last one, there was a full Rod Laver and two million people watched on TV and they held the nine news to watch my last match. That, that doesn't happen for an athlete with disability. And I was so grateful for it. And I know the Matildas feel the same way. And, and it's because of the, the athletes, the women that became before them who didn't get the recognition that they deserve, you know. And I think because of that, they, they talked about it and how much it meant for them to play on home soil and how much it meant to have support of the crowd. And we all bought into that, you know what I mean? Because we we appreciate that grind that they went through. And do you know why we watched? Because it was elite, because it was entertaining, because it was incredible. It was incredible sport, right? That's the main reason, not because of anything else. And and I think changing that that narrative around, you know, people that crap on about men's sport being better, it's just not it's not true, right? You know, women's sport or Paralympic sport or whatever, it might be different, but it's still elite in its own way in whatever, whatever way that is. Man, I was entertained last night. Like like watching Sam Kerr score that goal. Oh my god. Under not just scoreboard pressure, but community and country pressure. That was one of the best sporting moments I've ever seen. I don't think anybody understands the pressure of playing on home soil at a World Cup where you're like the probably the second highest rating thing ever behind Kathy Freeman in this country, right? That is unbelievable pressure. And to do that in that moment was unbelievable. It was actually unbelievable to see. And Sam's such a bloody legend and lucky that we know each other. And um, yeah, mate, it was it was special. And I hopefully, and I think it will, I don't even think hopefully, it's going to have a big impact on not just participation of young people, but especially young girls in this country. But they all deserve to get sponsors. They all deserve to earn a living. They all deserve to get eyeballs on it moving forward because it is elite sport that people want to watch. And I think this World Cup proved it. Do you, do you think that uh, governments, you know, I know you're a mate of Albo, um, do you think governments um, should jump on this and do more for women's sport in Australia or do you think all of a sudden that will look like 
or indeed will be more jumping on the bandwagon. I mean, what do you think? I mean, because there'll be a lot of people in other sports too, by the way, who will say, well, just because the women, what, what, what about my sport? You know, it might be badminton or something yeah. like that. But what about that? Well, I'll give you an example. We won the Nepal World Cup this week. Yeah, and, and they get nothing. They didn't get much of a blip. And that was a bummer. Yeah. And it was overshadowed by the by the, the women's football. And um, shout out to them for for, for winning the, the World Cup as well. Um, and look, they do it often too. It's not exactly, the first time. Yeah. I think it was because... We're normally crap at soccer. I think that's also yeah, why, yeah. you know, especially the the Matildas have always had much more success than the Socceroos, and they're a great team. The Socceroos they're on the on the up and up and up as well. Um, but I think, you know, there are a lot of sports that you got to fund and, and things like that. And you know, whether it's women's football or, as you said, badminton or the Paralympics, and everyone's fighting for the for the same dollars, but you can't just invest in the big profile sports all the time. You know, the ones that might bring in big revenues or whatever, like a lot of the men's sports in this country. And um, they've got to share the load and obviously I don't make decisions around it. And, um, but yeah, it, it is getting better made. And I mean, of course I would call for greater investment in, in, in the sports that don't get as much support corporately as some of the other sports, because otherwise, you know, like when I, I'm not, I'm very lucky, mate. And there were so many athletes with disability who, who don't, who live on a disability pension like I used to. Like I was on a disability pension seven years ago still and I'd won three gold medals. You know what I mean? Like, and then I was very lucky that I started getting community sport, corporate support and that where I can make a living. And um, it, it is, it was tough. I can't even tell you how tough it was. Like buying $10,000 wheelchairs when you got no money and stuff like that. So yeah, mate, we love sport. But then saying that, Sport's great, but you've also got to invest in education, you've got to invest in employment, you've got to invest in access, you've got to invest in everything. So health. health well, yeah. well, it's funny you should say that. When you said the corporate uh, sponsorship, that's a very interesting point. Uh, and I think it would have been in 2000, but um, the for the 2000 Paralympics, was it was Paralympics in 2000 or, or is it? Yeah, 2000, uh, no, 2000, the same time, same, yeah, same two year. weeks after. Same period, right. The um, um, Olympics is the crappy warm-up event for the Paralympics, I call it. Right, okay. Yeah, they just, no, I, they I remember that. They I remember, they remember they that, that period. It was August, September or something. And yeah, – I was invited to a big event to raise money for the Paralympians. And uh, and obviously I'm invited uh, because they're trying to raise money. Yeah. I mean, and I had a business in those days. And uh, I uh, bid on something and I think I bought it for 80 grand. But like I just thought that's – to me it was – I felt it was my duty You're to, to do the right thing, okay? Other people bid money. But I'm not the only one. Lots of, lots of money was raised, et cetera. But you know what's interesting? Two weeks later, I got criticised in the newspaper, and I won't say which newspaper it was, and the words were dining out on donations to disability the yeah. And then, uh, whoa. And, of course, I had shareholder pressure, I had board pressure, I had uh, just general pressure around the place. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to do it again because it looks as though I'm – I'm trying to leverage something, which I wasn't. I was just yeah. there. I don't even know what I was bidding on. I actually do know what I was bidding on. It was a tapestry that was um, uh, donated by Singo to this event. Yeah. Anyway, I bought it. I don't even know what the bloody tapestry is these days. Yeah. But like, but so, how do we deal with that shit? Like, I mean, how do we deal with? It? I mean, what? What? I mean, well, we hear that all the time, especially around like people disability and employment or whatever it is, or advertising, you know, people's like, oh, you just chuck it in there to be to be token or whatever it is. But it's one, we can't survive without you doing that. Yeah. Like we want to be able to go. So we're grateful for it. As long as your intentions are in the right place, which they, they were in 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 your case. But 
you know, I'll give an example with like, we say advertising, people say, oh, you've just chucked someone with disability in there just to, to do, you know, to look good. You actually don't care. Do you know why advertisers should have people with disability in their commercials? Because 20% of the Australian population have disability, one in five people, visible or invisible disabilities. And guess what we are? Consumers, just like you, who want to go out and make have choice and control, just like you, who want to buy things, just like you. We want to see ourselves on screen, just like you, doing normal things. We want to get normal jobs, just like you, so we can contribute. We want to get education. We want to go on dates. We want to go to the pub. We want to go on planes. We want to go uh, to festivals. We want to do normal things. So it's actually wrong. And you know what? You know, stuff them for doing that, brother, because that also reflects badly on us because we don't then get the support and we actually then get indirectly discriminated against because we get left out because people have a timidness to engage because they think they're going to stuff it up or they're going to get criticised, right? And that's not it because then that actually doesn't create an inclusive society, an inclusive environment for for get us to get out there and, and be the people we want to be. And, yeah, we, 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 we feel that a lot as a community that a – a non-willingness to engage because of something that someone might write or you might make an error really makes it hard because then we don't get, you know, the able-bodied community are gatekeepers to a lot of things for us as they run a lot of things. And if we aren't, our voice isn't heard or we aren't included, mate, it's tough. And, um, you know, we need that as a Paralympics, we need that support because we don't get the big, the big, big bucks that everybody else, especially back in the day, you you have to pay to go to the games back in 2000, mate. As Uh, as an athlete. Yeah. Like it was, it was tough, mate. 92, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like you had to contribute to go when, when the Olympians were getting shed loads of cash, you know? So I wish I could go back in time and support you. I was nine years old back then. So I'm sorry. That made me feel so old. I'm sorry. I didn't go back to the media. I would have been like, mate, Mark's a bloody legend, you know? Yeah. Can I just talk about, uh, disability and um it's funny i was thinking about it on my way here today um and i thought to myself why someone gets um positioned as being disabled in a lot of cases probably not every case but in a lot of cases is because the system that exists today uh is built by non-disabled people but in other words there's a system a transport system you know, airplane system yep. be uh, getting into building systems everything is built uh without disabled people in mind. When I say built, I mean not just physically built but structured in terms of the way we live our lives. And uh, as a result of that, you get termed uh, having a disability. But actual fact, it's, you know, I can imagine a society where everybody perhaps is in a wheelchair like you and uh, nobody's really disabled relative to anybody else in terms of your your category. Because let's say you were the majority and actually then if you were the majority, you would have built a system that worked for you. So every bus would have a ramp or something on it. I don't know. You know, I'm, not, I'm just making stuff up as I go along. It's, it's you, know very, not, you know you're not making this up. Have you Googled this before? Because you no. nailed it. You've actually nailed it. It's systemized. Well, mate, Disability is a systemized thing. You're going to love this because you've nailed it. So back in the day, what made me disabled was the medical model of disability, right? So I have a was born with a tumour wrapped around my spinal cord that was cut out when I was a couple of days old. Wow. And so the medical system deemed me disabled. And that is true. Obviously the, what happened to me 
made me a paraplegic, hence why I can't walk and I've been in a wheelchair, you know, my my whole life. Can but, I just ask you, but just before you go into it, so a, a tumour being like a, a benign called, tumour, yeah, it's called a little strangling something. Yeah, so it was wrapped around my spinal cord. So if you take a right. small melon, yeah. chop the melon in half, stick yeah. half it on your back, um, that's how I was born. And when I was a couple of days old, they surgeons had to cut it out to right. save my life, but in doing so, it damaged my spinal cord. Um so I spent the first eight months in hospital, unable to go home, not even for a single night. I think I had like 11 operations and um, there was a moment where I've got a photo that I use in one of my keynotes of me in, in hospital with a teddy bear and I always use the joke that my parents were by my side every single night in hospital or so they say because they're not in this fucking photo. And like, <laughs> you know, but then my dad, like, I, wrote, I wrote a book and I wrote my own books called Abel and I interviewed my dad about it and he said, I never told you this, but the reason I took that photo is you had a really bad infection and the doctor said you better take a photo because he's not going to be here in the morning. That was the, So that wow. was the last and that's why it's blurry. And I, you know, I shy away from that stuff because I love my life now, mate. I don't harp on the fact that I wasn't. You're not running the victim. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, I, mate, look at me. I'm the luckiest guy going around. Um, but it's pretty heavy, you know, and um, I'm lucky to be out of hospital. And, you know, I spent three and a half years in and out pretty much and touch and go. And, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty very grateful to be here and to have incredible medical system of where I was born and things like that. And, and yeah, you know, what what used to happen in society, what still happens in society, what we're trying to change is people think, up. Oh, you can't do that because of your disability medically, right? Which is not true. No, the system doesn't allow you to do it. It's called the social model of disability. Right, okay, that's interesting. And what that means is if you and I go into an environment, say this studio, and it's fully accessible, which it is because I came here today, what makes me disabled compared to you right now? Nothing. Nothing because I can get around. But it's not just a built environment. Unconscious bias, lack of expectation, that creates your disability too because people make decisions on your behalf of what you can do. That's called the social model of disability, what we're trying to move towards, right? The social aspects make me disabled of people not being inclusive or the built environment not being um, accessible in my case, being in a wheelchair, but it happens for invisible disabilities as well. And you, that can be changed. They, that actually can, I can't change the fact that medically I'm disabled, but what makes my disability harder and what leaves me out of society is things that can be altered, right? You can make things accessible in terms of the built environment or you can change your unconscious bias or your negative stigma or whatever it is that you might have around um, disability. I mean, I'm very impressed with you, Ved. I'm, I think that was very good by you knowing knowing that because not everybody realised well, I don't that. know it. I just thought it. Yeah, that's what I meant. But that's, that's what I wanted to raise with you. I was just hoping it wasn't too sensitive a topic. But How, know, Can we say one thing? Yeah. There's nothing too sensitive here. Well, we that's can, good that's because I'm, my disability, some people tell me, is that I'm totally insensitive. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I appreciate Appreciate that comment. Um, yeah. So, because maybe we need to change the vernacular, or at least the the nomenclature around the wording around this. Uh, you know, disabled relative to the system is is a better way of putting it. Because I don't think, I think there's a lot of people in society say, "Oh, you're favouring." not just disabled people, but all this the whole inclusion process, you know, who we should include into the system, right? And by the way, inclusion when it comes to um, Women, for example, there's a system that hasn't accepted women as well in, in, in the system. So relative to, to the system, the women are excluded or were excluded and, you know, obviously society is trying much harder. Um, so I think we need to have an education program. I mean a serious education program and maybe kids need to be educated around this sort of stuff. Someone needs to explain this. I mean I just happened to think about it because I was seeing you. Yeah. 
And uh, But if I wasn't seeing you today, Dylan, I probably wouldn't have thought about it. So yeah. therefore I, I might have had an unconscious bias in my in my mind. And everyone with disability, I only speak on behalf of myself, right, and and I only know my lived experience. And, and you said it really well before that it's built without us not only thought about but not involved. Not You're not participating. The, our lived experience well, hasn't been listened to enough. It's getting better slowly but we need to continue that in government, in education, in employment. If you want to speak about somebody at a table, they need a seat at that table because I am very fucking good at being in a wheelchair because mm. I've done it my whole life. But people used to speak on my behalf and, and other people's behalves. You raised, I've got a consulting firm um, called Get Skilled Access, GSA for short. What's it called, say again? Uh, Get Skilled Access, yep. GSA for short, where we educate governments, corporates and industry to better understand people with disability. We hire 35 consultants and nearly every single one of them has a disability, a different disability. They might be neurodiverse, they might be blind, they might have been in a wheelchair, whatever it is. And, you know, you raised a really good point around education. I cannot tell you how much I used to hate myself. I got bullied about my disability, got called a cripple and a spastic, and I hate those words. They've got a negative connotation. They were my nicknames at school. And, Mark, I didn't want to be here anymore, mate. I, Especially for a little kid. And guess what? How many minutes of disability education did we do at school in 13 years? Zero. How many do we still do? Zero. Probably, probably zero. I, if we did one hour once a year where I didn't have to talk about my disability but someone else who had disability came in and talked about our lives, I don't think that would have happened. It would have changed my life. It would have saved my life at that point. And that's a pretty easy fix, isn't it? Right? Oh, that's simple. And that's what I mean. The same with in, in, in business, right? Educating C-suite middle managers to better understand people with disabilities. So when you hire, so what, not only are you looking to hire people with disability, but you're also, when you do, it's done right where we can just be normal people and just work like anybody else. We might do it a little bit differently, but we aren't excluded or we aren't treated differently or we aren't not given the supports that we need to be the people we want to be. You know what I mean? That's an easy fix too. And that's what I'm always, and we are trying to do is just trying to innovate and, and make disability cool and use words like productive, innovative, sexy, different, like, you know what I mean? Cause that's what, that's what it is. It's not 1980s Zimmer frame style disability anymore. And, you know, I'm obviously you can tell I'm disabled. what I'm in a wheelchair and unless I wear like a trench coat over my chair, it look like I'm in a hovercraft. You can't tell, but what about people with most disabilities are invisible, right? And I meet people. How do you mean? How do you mean? Disabilities you can't see. The majority oh, yeah. of them. Neurodiverse, you might have low vision, low hearing, you know, autism, Asperger's, whatever it is. Yeah. And it can be incredibly hard for people that have invisible disabilities because they might go to work, they might get a job. Imagine going to work every day and not being able to be your authentic self and not feel safe to be your authentic self. Because you're sort of hiding something, you're hoping no one's going to notice You something. know why? Because you won't get a promotion. Yeah. Because you get treated differently. That sucks. And guess what? If you've got an invisible disability, you have zero pressure to tell anybody. You don't have any, you don't have any, any pressure to go out and tell anybody about anything about you. It's not up to you to do the work. It's up to everybody else to do the work. It's up for society to do the work, community, corporate Australia, government, whatever, to create environments to show that they care and you won't be treated differently if you have a disability. And, you know, I always, like I met, a little girl last year, um, her name was Claudia. She was in a pink wheelchair and it was sick, right? And I was like, g'day, I'm Dylan. She's like, oh, hey, Dylan, you know, I'm Claudia. I said, I love your wheelchair. You know, we were talking about, you know, her. And I said, like, what, what's your disability? And her mum goes, she hasn't got a disability. 
And I went, ooh, she clearly does. And if your mum's telling you you don't have a disability, you're eventually going to realise you do. And see how that's creating a negative connotation for that little girl, that disability is bad. But I know why her mum's doing it. Her mum's just trying to protect her because she's thinking that having a disability is bad and she won't get the same opportunities. So I I don't want her mum to do that, but I empathise why she does. What can we do to change that? Create a society where disability isn't a bad thing. It's just a normal part of society. And I can't wait in five years when we do this podcast together again and we don't have to crap on about it because it's just normalised the same way that maybe the LGBTQI community is more normalised now and more accepted or whatever it is. There's a long way to go there as well because there's still people doing the wrong thing. But you know what I mean? Or just women in sport. Women in women. But it's getting – and it's not fixed. It's, it's a long way to go, but it is getting better. You know what I mean? And, and mate, I'm glass half full and people with disability might not always love that about me because there are some real shit bad shit still happening. I know it is, but it is getting better. But we need support from – it's not about us doing it or you. It's we co-designing, all of us doing it. Even coming on this – I can podcast and do this together, man. It's awesome. You know what I mean? And, um, and you know, we just need more mainstream representation across every industry. So it's not just a select few like me or Kurt Fernley crapping on about it. We need more voices who know way more than us getting the opportunity to get out there and speak and and whether it's sport or, or education or or in film and TV or whatever it is. And, yeah, it's happening, mate. And, um, but there's very few people who are in the, the – the, the, like in like able or disabled, there's very few people in the top one percent of either category. Um, unfortunately, that's that's how the world rolls, you know. Like, uh, and there's going to be there's not too many Dylan Orcots, okay? There's not. That, that's just like there's not too many. Uh, I don't know, Kerry Packers. By yourself, say it. I'm not saying myself, <laughs> but the, the top one percent is right. Like, there's not too many, and but they're the people who get the voice. They have the opportunity to talk. Um, there's and in every category of of humanity, you've got to get the top one percenters. We need to get more people who could be the top one percenters. We've got to encourage those people. And you talked about the girl in the wheelchair, in the pink wheelchair, and you talked about a mum. That actually made me think about something, another thing I was thinking about about you. Here's your, you know, there's a little baby getting operated on very young age, dad taking photos and then not taking photos and always being there, mum and dad. And then I was reading somewhere where you were swimming carnivals and all sorts of things when you were a very young man, young boy. Parents in these environments are critical mm. to developing these people who will become the ambassadors and the iconic people who will drag the rest with them. So I got a comment. At the front of the comment, there's a tail on the comment. You're at the front of the comet. That's how it works, mate, and that's how all society works um, in every aspect. I don't give a damn what it is, and and that's something we can't get about uh, get around. And but that's got a lot to do with how you've been socially developed, and that comes back to your parents or your your village where mm. you live. Obviously, it's more than just your parents. Tell me, just take me back to when you were a five six year old. What were your parents saying to you? Yeah, look, they play a massive role and thanks for saying that, mate. I, I disagree. I'm not trying to be the front of the comment. I'm just trying to be Dylan, to be honest. I actually don't wake up. People always go, God, you, how do you get out of bed with so much energy and want to change everything? I actually just try and be myself. And, and an example is like I was obviously very honoured and grateful to be the Australian of the Year. Mate, I want but, to read a list. That you, there's not no, just no, that. There's a no, list no, of things on my phone. Just go on Wikipedia. Don't it, do it, don't it, do it goes on for, for 10 minutes. I was worried yeah. it was going to take up too much yeah. time. But the day before and the day I won Australian of the Year, I'm the same, Dylan. Yeah. I didn't need to win Australian of the Year to tr- try and be a good person, a good partner to my punish and tell, a good 
brother, a good son, a good friend, a good advocate, and then being a good tennis player is like number 35 on my priority list. It really was, mate. And, but that you're right, mate. It, it comes from your tribe of people that help you become you. And it, it is, you nailed it. There is no manual about having a child with disability. There's no manual when you have a car accident and one day you're playing local footy with your mates, the next minute you're a quadriplegic, you can't move, right? It's tough. And um, because we didn't, when I grew up, I didn't see anybody like me on TV, the radio. I saw people like you, mate. I can't be you. It was hard. And when I did, it was a road safety ad where someone drink drives, has a car accident. What's the next scene? Someone like me in tears because their life's over, deterring you from speeding. Mm. That's the only time I saw myself. That's tough, right? And I used to believe that was my life. And guess who else did? My family. They believe I mean? that as well. Well, of course. That's, what, that's all you yep. know. Yep. Obviously, it changed over time. Neurologically because, trained that way. And one thing that I always um, say, when you go get an ultrasound when you're pregnant, what does the doctor say? Don't worry. It's a healthy baby. Yeah. I wasn't a healthy baby. And all of a sudden, that's a negative thing. Oh, don't worry. It's happy. It's got five, uh, what do they say? Ten fingers and ten toes. What if it didn't? I'm still healthy. Even though I'm in a different, like different to you, I'm healthy as, right? I'm out there training, being myself. See how that already makes it negative? There's all, you're already on the backward step of not being normalized because of that. And people believe that. So systemized. Know? Yeah. Like just say, yes, you got a beautiful baby. It might be different, but it's still a beautiful baby that can potentially live a healthy life in a different way. So even that language is is massive of how it does it. Peter, look, man, I'm, my, my, my parents, my brother, I always tell a story. My brother runs the consulting firm. He's my best mate, but I tell this story, which, which he hates. But to normalize my disability, we used to fight over the TV remote and he used to put it on top of the fridge where I couldn't reach it, right? And everyone's like, what a jerk. And you know, at the time, yeah, no, cheeky. But he didn't care. He didn't treat me differently because of my disability. He yeah. protected me and he loved me, but he also was like, he's my brother. I'm going to treat him. And I love that about it. And it made me realize that. I always tell a story as well. Um, I didn't have many friends or I had friends, but I was struggling at high school and all my mates started to get the train to school. It was a kilometer push from my house, four train stops, and then a 500 meter walk to to this to school. And I said to my mum, my mates are getting the train. I'm going to go get the train. I was 14. And she's like, absolutely not. As if I'm letting my disabled son in a wheelchair who can barely make it out the front door push to the train station and get there. I'm not doing it. I said, mum, dad, please let me go. Like I need to get friends. I need to be independent. And what did they do? They let me go. Imagine how nervous they would have oh been. Oh, my God, yeah. That I might have died. Like something might have happened. I got hit by but guess what? I started getting friends. I started being normal. I started, you know, having my own voice. So grateful that happened. You and I wouldn't be talking right now if things like that didn't happen. We wouldn't be talking right now if I didn't start playing sport. The best thing about sport for me was not winning Wimbledon and not winning gold medals. It was my first tennis tournament at the Thaguna Open. Do you know where Thaguna is? No. Outside of Albury, Wodonga. I got there. I was 11. I had no mates. I was super fat. I used to love eating Doritos and, and chicken nuggets. And I, I saw this guy turn up in a wheelchair. He was driving a car. I didn't know he could do that. He had a wife and kids. Didn't know he could do that. He was smiling. And at night, he drank a beer and had a fun. I didn't know. I wasn't doing that. I didn't know he could do that. The social aspect of meeting my tribe and my community changed my life way better than winning any Grand Slam. And, Matt, I'm so grateful that, you know, we live in a, a country where sport is loved and things like that. But the that your 
you might hear, you know, I don't I don't say I won Wimbledon. I say we won Wimbledon. We won the Australian Open. We won gold medals. We won Australian of the Year. Because my tribe, as I say, or you said village, is 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 a wide breadth of people that helped me become me. They, my mates who we'd go out to a bar or a nightclub and there'd be stairs and there'd be 20 of us and they said, no, no wheelchairs. He, I went to a club once and they said, uh, no wheelchairs. And and I said, mate, I'm a person like anybody else. I said, no, you're not. You're a fucking fire hazard and you're not coming in. So what did my 20 mates do? Mashed them. No, no, no I'm just joking. <laughs> we, I wish. No, no. We, <laughs> we left, mate. We went somewhere else, yeah. right? And they helped me somewhere else. They never left me out anywhere. And that made me feel like I deserved to be included. You know what I mean? Yeah. Without them, I'm doing nothing like I'm doing now. And so you have you always been this, Dylan, like a uh, positive, um, you know, uh, you said like glass half full, but like positive but also at, at an intellectual level um, striving. Have you always been that dude? Yeah. I, I mean I'm a bit of a nerd. So I, I went all right at school and, and I really put it in because, um, you know, Paralympians didn't make any money and no one watched us and things. So, so practical. Yeah. And, and I, what I, what I found was because I went through a really dark point for two years, the biggest regret that I ever had in my life is in those two years of getting bullied and, and not wanting to be here anymore, I didn't tell anybody. I so what period is that, is that in your life? I was life? like 13 to 15, yeah, so yeah. early high school. Yeah, so like you at that adolescent stage, puberty. I didn't tell know. my brother. Yeah. I didn't tell my family because I felt like a burden and I felt like an embarrassment on my family because of my disability. If I had just told someone, I would have been fine. So I learned pretty young the power of vulnerability, the power in asking for help, not like, hey, I'm struggling mentally, but even being like, G'day, Mark, can you just help me get up this step or do you mind grabbing that glass for me? So I you wouldn't ask that then? No, nah, no way. I was embarrassed. No way. And I think it, You embarrassed because you thought it might be a burden on me to help you? Or yeah, but yeah, I just didn't want to like, I just wanted to be, I wanted to be normal and do things myself and Did I couldn't. Did you contract, like so, go yeah, into yourself? I went in, I just played video games and ate, ate junk food. Yeah, I didn't yeah. leave the house. Didn't want to go to school. Didn't want to do anything. Right? What did your parents, how did they respond? Oh, uh, you know, they, they could say I was struggling and ass and i just blank it off, you know. But that was probably pre the mental health inclusion stuff that's happened now. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I'm 32 now. What was that? 20 years ago and it probably wasn't as prevalent and things like that. But what I will say is you've probably known about me maybe 10 years or whatever it is. And, oh, he's got it going on. He's a confident guy. It took me 28 years to fully feel worthy of love and worthy of my disability. And I'm 32. Wow. I still had, I didn't think I did, but I still had shame stories deep in my unconscious of that 13-year-old kid who had to prove to you I was worthy because I was disabled. And it would come up in the worst times. It would come up in big parts of my relationship, like, you know, my with my ex-partners, whatever. It would come up in the biggest sporting moments of my life where I would think I've got to win every single Grand Slam to be comparable to Roger Federer who wins one or Ash Barty to prove to you able-bodied people that we are worthy, that we are worthy. Do I need to win everything no. to be your friend, Mark? Of course not. Do I need to win everything to be an advocate for my community? Of course not. Do I need to win everything for my family and people to love me? Of course not. But I believe that because I had to prove that we were worthy. So it was a journey, mate. And, you know, I love being able to say that now and, and to say that I do feel worthy and, and not not like worthy as in a legend, just like not care less, like really actually do really care about my disability. But, but love a, yourself. In a beautiful way, yeah, and get out there and, and be like, you know, I'm, 
I, I can be that authentic Dylan, you know, all the time and things like that. And um, it's funny when you when you unlock that. Some people never unlock that, by the way. They think they have to be, especially leaders in business or community, or they, have, they think they have to be these stoic legends who know everything, don't show emotion, and that is crap. It's not true. People relate to authenticity and and, and vulnerability and things like that. And well, can I ask you, can I ask you this then? Because I look at your schedule, right? I mean, my schedule is pretty crazy to be like trying to even just trying to get you in here. You know, things happen. You got cooked last time, um, what have you? But like, I thought to myself. I wonder if this guy, because I do this sometimes. It's blowing you off. No, 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 no. No, I wasn't blowing This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do yourself up with heaps of work, heaps of commitments, shit to do. I mean, if you look through your bio, like the amount of things that you do is crazy, Okay. Do I and, I and I can do that sometimes and or be guilty of that sometimes because I'm trying to not think about something that bothers me and I'm wondering if sometimes you do that or have done that in the past, load yourself up with commitments so it puts you in a place where you never really have time to think about what is really bothering you. Yeah, no. Nah, I, I really am a purpose-driven guy. My purpose is to change perception so all people with disability can live the lives they deserve to live. And I just love finding ways to innovate and do cool shit to be able to do that and do it in a happy way. However, last year I learned a valuable lesson. Spent 245 days on airplanes as Australian of the Year, 300 plus commitments because I wanted to make the most out of the opportunity to to support my mission and, and the community and things like that. And that was too much because I ran out of juice. I became a bad, I was in a bad mood, bad partner, I didn't look after my physical or mental health and I realised a very valuable lesson. If you don't look after yourself, you're, you're pointless to anybody, really, and whatever you want to do. And I'll never do that again in that way. Did you burn out? Oh, I was gone, mate, gone. And what's, was, that, what's that like, though? What's burnout for you? Oh, like, you know, I just had no energy. I was... Did you get on the piss? What, what, like, nah, like I just, I mean, a little bit, but I was more like just... A grumpy dickhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and no, my dad, that's me. Yeah. I, I get down. I go down that track sometimes. And, and 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 I can turn it on, and then I'd turn it off. Yeah, performance. I could turn it on on stage, but then my family and the people around me would be like, "Oh God, you're not very nice to be around." And, yeah, nice on the stage. How yeah. come you're so funny? Yeah, but 
But, it's, but I wasn't. I wasn't. I just couldn't. I go home and couldn't talk. I just had nothing left to give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like I was doing it on purpose, but I was just cooked. And I realized I wasn't going to the gym. And then when you go to the gym, you actually look after your mental health more than your physical health. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything because I had no energy. And I realized like you've really got to look after yourself to be the people that the person that you want to be and enjoy your life. To be honest, like I wasn't happy as well. And uh, you know what you, you said in my heart, I actually am the most happy happiest when I am busy doing cool stuff that I love, right? I am. And that cool stuff might include going on a date with my partner, you know, doing uh, like going to things and, and whatever it is. But doing lots of different things. You look lots like- of, Always, yeah, always. You, you, you do, do lots of things. I had to do a lot. I wish when I was playing tennis, I could have just sat back, played tennis and got zillion bucks like Roger and Novak and Serena and then had impact by being famous and could talk about what you want. But it just wasn't the case, right? I had to hustle. I had to hustle. I was on- I'd won the year that I won the two golds in Rio for tennis. So I won gold in Beijing playing basketball and then tennis. Mate, I was on Triple J. I was on Channel 7 at the time doing the tennis. I was hosted on the project. I had a podcast. I was doing too much, but I had to do too much to try and build a profile to live out my purpose, not to be famous. I didn't care about that, but I really wanted to crack the mainstream to really talk about what I'm passionate about. But I loved it. In the end, I realized I was enjoying it. You know, I was enjoying doing a bunch that's of That's a state of mind though. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, you know, like that's your mindset. Oh yeah, I'm a hustler for sure. You, but yeah. you're a hustler, but you enjoy the hustle. I and, do. Yeah, and you enjoy being busy. Yeah, can, I, can I give you an example about that right now? I could sit back right now and, and you know, do keynotes and, and talk or just disappear and do whatever and, and go to the pub. Um, but I've actually been doing some acting at the moment. Right. I saw that you're doing, you're actually learning how to act. Learning acting and I got my first big role. I'm on a TV show called Bump, which is on Stan. I'm in eight of the 10 episodes. Filmed this week, which is cool. I don't know if I'm any good, but I'm trying my best. I'm probably crap. I'll give you some feedback. Yeah, go ahead. yeah you will. I know you bastard. Um, but do you know what's what your role? Can you tell us your role? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like um, one of the main characters. Oh, no, I probably can't yet, actually. Okay. We won't talk about it because yeah, yeah. there's probably embargoed. Yeah, I almost got in trouble then. Um, but what I, what I will say is, and you nailed it, I am so enjoying the hustle of learning something new, but also not proving people wrong, but like trying to, to do something different. And I'm not, I don't want to be that famous tennis player who tries that. I'm like doing lessons twice a week. Like I'm really giving it a crack. Look at my face talking about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm loving it, mate. Your I'm, lo- are I'm loving it, mate. See? And that's what I mean. And you nailed it. Like I really enjoy. And do you know why I'm doing it? Again, for my purpose. Because... Just 20% of the world's population have a disability, as I said. Less than 1% of that are on our screens. I hate it when able-bodied actors sit in a wheelchair and they play a role in a wheelchair. Yeah, it's yeah, like, get an actor in a wheelchair. Like, what are you doing? Right? That's why I'm doing it. It's purpose-driven. It's also because I like challenging myself and sharing stories and hopefully I'm okay at it. But when you figure out that purpose, life becomes easy because then you can make decisions easier. Right? And that's honestly what I do. And when I retired... I'll ask you, do I need to win one more Australian Open to live out my purpose? No. Of course not. That's why I retired, mate. Like, easy as that. Simple as that, isn't it? And everyone goes, oh, wow, that actually sounds pretty easy. And your purpose doesn't have to be to change the world of disability. It can be to be a great mum, be a great dad, be a great manager at work, whatever, right? And then you can make decisions. Is that helping my purpose? No, it's not. Well, I'm going to do that. And it can change over time as well. So like, in terms of um, determining your purpose, because that, that's a really important point. Most people don't have, actually ever sit down and articulate no. it. 
I don't care who they are. Most people just never sort of sit down and, and and a lot of people actually don't think the purpose that they could arrive at is good enough. Yeah, they think it has to be massive like mine. Yeah, yeah, it has like, to be a big deal. No, it can be like simple, uh, like genuinely, how do you find out your purpose? It's it's scary, but it's easy. You're going to go, like, who am I? Like, what do I represent? And what? And most importantly, what do I what do I want to do? What do I want genuinely, right? And it, it it's an intrinsic thing. It's not I want a sick car or to go to, Ibiza, right? They're, like a whatever. They're intrinsic. Like genuinely, what do I want in in my life, right? And then you go, hang on, is my job right now? Is that person that I'm in love with or whatever helping me live that purpose? And you'd be like, they're actually detracting. And then you got to ask yourself, okay, well, can I accept that that's happening and still live or not? And if you can't, well, you're going to live a really annoyed crappy life because you're always going to be regretting it or you're going to be um, – and it's not it's not the job's fault or that other person's fault, right? You can't control that that right that, that other person but you can control yourself, right? And you have to de- decide if you accept it or not. And if you don't, can't accept it, well, then you have to make a decision what you do with your life. And Well, how hard is that? I mean like well, for example telling your partner if it's a partner you have or had and that there's just, you know, sort of constraining what your purpose is, you're achieving your purpose – how do you come to terms with I'm going to go tell that person? Well, you, you you either you either tell them if you don't tell if they're doing if someone's doing something that really annoys you, right? If you don't tell them that it's annoying them, it's not their fault because you haven't told them. Yeah. So you either have to accept it or do something about it, right? And if you tell them about it and then they have a, a negative impact, a negative reaction, well then you've got to make a decision around that. But I think most of the time, if something, whether it's your boss at work, whether it is someone you play sport with, whether it's a family member, your partner, if you go, hey, can I have an honest, vulnerable conversation around this? A lot of people will listen and try and do better. They will, right? If they don't, well, them off. May, maybe not the right fit. I shouldn't fit. say those words, but yeah. but Maybe uh, it's not I'm, right fit. Maybe it's not right fit, yeah, right? You said it better, but it's maybe yeah, not yeah. right fit, no, but, but it's the same but, outcome. Hey, there's an audience here listening. Yeah. They might say, like you said, they might yeah. say, I yeah. say, that's yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in whatever way that you do it, right? But you see what I mean? And you can control your own story, but you can't control other people's stories. You know what I mean? And you've got to And you're not responsible for it either. You're not responsible for that either. And you can't take on that baggage all the time or whatever it is. And some of that baggage for me was community baggage. You know what I mean? Like negative disability stigma baggage, discrimination baggage, and that was bloody hard. So I'm trying to make make an impact on that. But what I also do is, and I've got a call in, not call out attitude. What's that mean? I don't, I'm not, I don't go out there and bang the drum on Twitter every time something negative happens. I'd rather call in and go, this is wrong. Let's do something about it together. Because I understand why people call out because that's all you have sometimes is to yell because no one's listened, right? But I'm lucky that I might have a platform where I can, I think you've got bigger impact co-designing and working with people rather than just screaming at people about when negative things happen. But I understand why people do that because that might be the only um, channel that that they have. And, and it's the same way in personal relationships rather than just, talk shit to other people about someone, you better to talk to the person about it. Well, whinging and complaining. Exactly right, yeah. Uh, can I ask you how important, you, you mentioned purpose before, but how important is it to be curious and then be prepared to learn about that curiosity So, in your life? So curiosity sounds like something is really important. I mean, here you are doing acting. Um, is that something, do you just leave your mind open to be interested and curious about things you've never done before and then but do something about it, actually go and learn how to act. Yeah. Well, yeah, and sometimes even when I'm curious, I don't do things about it, but I've just got that knowledge, you know, and I think it's a, a beautiful thing. Like even the, your podcast, mate, like I listen and, and I hear stories from all kinds of people. I go, well, I'm going to take a little bit of that. 
I'm going to take a little bit of that. I'm going to take a little bit of that. And that makes Dylan. I don't have a idol. I don't have a, a someone that I like, you know, try and mimic. Yeah, yeah. I take a little bit of everybody to create me. People with disability before me, you know, I loved how Obama did a speech, you know what I mean? And I, you know, whatever it is. And, and I think that's really how I've done it. Like a bit of a sponge. I'm taking lots of different things, but I am always, I always say listening and learning. People might think I love crapping on and talking, but I, I don't always actually. I actually really love listening as well and trying to take things on. And, and I might even learn things from people that come up on the street and get a photo and tell me a story. Yeah. about their kid and I go shit like that actually I mean I almost look at me I just got a bit of an emotional reaction thinking about it like it happens all the time and um and it means a lot man when that happens like that's probably the thing that look, a bit bloody, look at me I'm getting a bit weird in the eyes because um that's why I do it and things like you know I don't know how I've got a disabled kid who's five years old and I didn't even know how to talk about the disability or even acknowledge it until I heard you on straight talk and it's like, wow, that's why we're doing what we're doing. It's not that's to, why I do what I do too, by the way. It's not, not, it's not to win bloody awards. No, mate. And, mate, and, nice to get them, but like, I agree. But you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. That, and, and, and and I learn in those moments and yeah. things like that. And, yeah, mate, I'm always forever. And and it, to get to the point of of feeling worthy of my disability and, and included and things like that, you don't have to go see a psychologist. You can, and I recommend it. Like I always used to go – I train 11 times a week and everyone loves putting on their, their, their gym selfies and F45 or whatever they do. And then as soon as you go, um, oh, I'm going to go see a mindset coach or a psychologist, everyone goes, ooh, what's wrong? Are you yeah. okay? I just want to be better, right? But I'm not saying that might be expensive. You might not have the opportunity to do that, but you can listen to a podcast. You can talk to your friend. You can have a conversation with someone and that is being curious in itself. It's not about doing something massive to do it. It's just, it's just about, and then you might pick something up and take that into your life. And then you, you act on it. You, you might even take something out of this conversation and do it at home or do it at work or whatever. That's being curious. And yeah, mate, I'll, 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 I used to always, you know, you know, people go, what's your biggest strength? And, and, um, I used to hate talking about it. I'm, I don't like talking about myself, but what I will say is I really, as you, you might say hustling, but I really do work hard. I work hard and I love working hard. I love having a crack. I love putting myself out there and I'll do that forever and I'll be curious forever, I reckon. And I'm not going to sit on a beach for six months of the year and do nothing. I don't think I'm that kind of guy. And I know you're not that kind of guy either. Well, it's, it's funny, you know, those, the, the, those two aspects, characteristics you just talk, talked about, hard work and uh, curiosity are probably two of my, for me, um, two of the things I talk about most to people in private Mostly, but I mean, curiosity to me is the most important thing in my life, um, particularly my age. Um, you know, like uh, I've worked out. Uh, How old are you now? Thirty-five. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Next birthday, sixty-eight. But I've got. Uh, God, you're looking good. We also I, dress the same today. Thanks, mate. I'm, I'm no, we're the black. For people that can't see us, we black and all black. black. Well, no, I got white shoes on though. You yeah, got black shoes we, on. Hey, you got the right brand though. Nike. Yeah, no, these are good. Mate, good no, but, I'm, I'm, but, but, but I, every year, one of my sons gives me um, for my birthday, Father's Day, and Christmas present. I get um, a, um, um, a Nike. People would call a gift card. Mate. So I'm well, sweet at Nike. I'm, I'm sponsored, so I saw you out. Who sponsored you? Nike, mate. Nike, yeah, yeah. that's the guy. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, so I therefore go spend it on pretty, and I'm pretty grateful for that. But, but one of my biggest, big thing for me is curiosity because, um, you know, like uh, I've now, CSA next birthday, and I've worked out as, as you know, a, 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 a average Australian male's lifespan, you get 4,016 weeks or something like that in your life. Um, I've worked out that I've got 676 weeks left. 
Um, um, therefore, that's such a cool thing you've yeah. done. I love that. But I've I worked do that out, after this. But but I love I've that. worked out if that's I live to scary in a good way. It, but 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 you got to do something with it. So yeah. I've worked out if I want to live to a hundred. Um, that'll give me another uh, 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 twelve hundred weeks. Um, which therefore um, I got uh, I can extend my six seventy six weeks to nineteen hundred and something weeks, and I thought, well, that's not a bad idea. So my curiosity takes me down the track. Well, well, how the fuck do I do that? Like, what do I what have I got to do apart from any genetic mishaps? I mean, I, I can't control those things, but um, what do I do about those things? And um, and I, I get really and you said really interesting. Like I I could sit back and go because I got mates who I went to school with. And funny, I went to went to a school reunion the other day, and I got mates who just. They're just looking like they're getting ready to die, and uh, and I thought, well, what the fuck's wrong with you? Mm. Um, and maybe curiosity is a big is a big difference for people like us. And I would say to anybody who you're feeling a bit down, start to get curious about something. Curious and the word cure go together for me. Mm. And uh, I think curiosity is a cure for lots of things, but it doesn't mean you just be curious. You got to do something about it, you know. Like um, and then go and learn. Learning is a big part, which is what you're doing. I I, I just think. You've been curious about acting and how I can, how you can take um, inclusion to more people. In other words, yes, I can do this as as can anyone else in the same condition as me can do this. Uh, but the way you're doing, you're taking it to the stage in in a sort of a, a television sense, a broadcast sense, um, and then being curious about that. How do I do that? And then go and get undertaking a course. You're lucky enough to be able to take a course, but not everyone can everyone can afford a course. Listen to podcasts. Exactly. Listen. I I I don't know how to fix my take my age to 100 and, and increase my uh, number of weeks weekends and weeks to 1900 but I listen to podcasts about it that's why that's how I learn about it yeah exactly right and this mate. shit's just free yeah I mean I I, I subscribe one of six bucks a month or something but I listen to every podcast this dude puts on I've listened to like a hundred hours of his podcasts and I take little things out each time I write down that's good people are doing that to you mate you know that and that's cool as well you know hopefully and and because I because it's not for me it's who I'm talking to. Yeah. I want them to pick stuff out of but this But I'm learning stuff like I love, and this is a little podcast trick for everyone listening, you have not looked at your notes once, have you? No. We're just chatting right yeah, now yeah. and that's the special source. And I, you're you're not just learning off me. I'm learning off you that like I'm going to go and do that week calculator. And that, not as a scary thing. People might be scared by that. That's not scary. That's no, I'm like curious about it. I want curious to know. and you want to make the most out of the opportunity. So, and of how life. do I – Fix this up. Yeah. Like, how, how do well, I address it? What can I do to get out there and just rip it up and enjoy my life? It might just it. mean, yeah, it's right, 100%. It might mean enjoy, do more things. Yeah. But, and, but you nailed it as well. And like to circle back what we were talking about before, and this is how you and I, our brains work quick. You, at part, you know, if you want to get to uh, 100, you got 1,200 weeks left. Is that what you said? 1,900. 1,900 weeks left. You might spend 400 of those weeks with some kind of disability in your old age. We need to make world in the world accessible by then so you can still do what you want to do. You see what I mean? Yeah, I could be in a, a what do you call those frames. Frame, you can be yeah. in a wheelchair, you can be doing yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah, of yeah. things. Anyway, it could anything affect happen. anybody at any point, right, and you still want to be able to get out there and, and, and live your lives, you know what I mean? Mate, we might be flying in rockets by then. Well, we have flying cars. Yeah, you reckon? Oh, 30 years, yeah. you reckon? No, mate, before that. I, I'm actually hoping before, way before that. And and, and by the way, you know, without if I could be just really self-centred for a moment. Mate, it's your podcast, what do you want? People your, name's, like, your name's on the door. I walked but, in and literally said your name. People like you, you just made a very important point. I never really thought about this before, but um, I could be in a wheelchair or I could be disabled to, to some extent for, for whatever the reason is over in the next 30, 30 odd years and someone like you paving the way to change the system so that I can actually have a more enjoyable life or an easier life or a more accessi- accessible life to access things I want to do. 
is because of people like you. Yeah. So anyone who's sitting here right now, not here, who's listening to this, who's saying, well, it's got nothing to do with me. Exactly. I, I, can't, I can't see the point to this. Well, I didn't tell you dudes that one day, I'll guarantee one day you'll be have a disability of some type. Yeah. And as people like this guy and his cohort of people who will change the system so that over the next 30 odd years, in my case, I'll live the best possible life. Correct. That's what it's about, the best possible life. And just having the choice and control to live your own life. And you know what? You know, and I say this, I say this a lot to people. Yes, it's for us right now, people with disability, but you don't know tomorrow if you're going to have a daughter with cerebral palsy. Yeah. Or your dad's going to get MND. Yeah. Or you're going to have an accident. It's actually for you too. My mother got MND. So th- well, that, you that, and that's And the, you go, oh, my example. God, I didn't know this world yeah. until it touches you. Yeah. So let's get ready for when it does. And I don't know what it's like to be a different race, a different to have a different, to have a religion, to whatever, right, to be different gender. But it affects, disability is the only diversity group that affects anybody at any time, no matter what your beliefs are or who you are or what your gender is or whatever it is. It's the only one because it does. And when you think about it like that, you're like, wow, that's actually true, right? That is true. It affects anybody at any point in some way. And we just want to create environments culturally, um, socially and physically where everybody can just do what they want to do and be the people they want to be. And that's the mission, mate. That's why we get out of bed. That's why I get out of bed. And um, even just coming on and talking about this, mate, is, is having an impact on that, which is cool. Can I ask you, like, what, what's your, um, you know, everyone says it, but I mean, I actually generally interested in people just say it as a matter of course, but I mean, when you come in and shook my hand, it, you nearly fucking crushed my hand um, and I'm reasonably strong. Um, what's your training regime look like? Well, I skip leg day. Uh, I'm not big on the leg press. Um, so <laughs> No, I thought you meant you skip on leg day. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I skip. <laughs> if I skip on leg day. This, this, That's this, fucking uh, awesome. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be on some kind of medical record yeah, with all that so, shit. No. Do you want to say funny? No, I, well, I, I, one of my teachers at school, we did we did testing in year, in year eight. What, physical testing? Yeah, and yeah. we did like, you know, they did all this kind of stuff. PhD. And, yeah, you do, like, you do like jumping and, and you know, uh, bench press and all this stuff at high school. And they did a, um, everybody in their report card, got um they got a thing for for leg strength right they got a grading a b c d e uh i sorry the word they got a word and my teacher didn't know what to write on mine and it said leg power he just wrote excellent and then moved on <laughs> my dad couldn't stop laughing because imagine the poor guy going what do i write here what do i write yeah. na do i write yeah, he wrote, yeah, he wrote yeah. excellent just yeah. in case. you got what well, you yeah. imagine we write na you probably worried yeah you're gonna, gonna get in trouble oh yeah. god i still remember it um mate i Last, what time do you get in the morning, for example? I, I try and get up and train. Like I train this morning. I, I live in hotels. Yeah. And last year I didn't prioritize even – do you know why I didn't prioritize training? Because I used to train three, four hours a day and I thought I had to do an hour and a half. Gym when session. you were competing. When yeah. I was competing. Yeah. I did an hour and a half session. Otherwise there's no point. Yeah. That's actually not true. You just got to move in some way. So I try and – excuse me. I try and gym like three to four times a week um, and then I do like hill sprints. I go for a run, I call it. Obviously, I can't run, but when I go for, I, I just use vernacular. Oh, hey, Mark, let's go walk to the coffee shop. I don't go. I'll walk you. Uh, you walk. I'll push. I just use everybody terms, and yep. we all do. A lot of people do. So yeah, I go for a run. You know, uh, I do. I'm doing a half marathon coming up soon, and things like that, which is cool. Uh, but yeah, man, I try and stay active, and but I do. I do weights like you. I bench press, yep, chin ups, yep. dips. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and when you're saying hotels, like, I mean, how do you make sure that that works for you? I mean, do you check the hotel and so do, yeah, same as you. You're at the mercy a little bit, and you just yeah. try, because I've been an athlete for so long, I can kind of work around it exactly. Yeah. But again, going back to the vulnerability piece, if I'm in the gym with some random on the treadmill, I just say, "Get out, mate." Do you mind giving me a hand? 
Yeah. And 99.99999% of people will help you. Yeah, no worries. If you don't speak that language. Yeah. And not even because they might be like, oh, that's Dylan Orcott. That's even pre that. Yeah. Or yeah. if I'm overseas. Like I was in America last week. I was in a gym in Vegas. I was at, I got flown over to host the UFC. And I just went up to random blokes and or, or women. I was like, G'day, do you mind just passing me these dumbbells? I'm like, everyone's like, no worries, mate. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's a little little part of showing vulnerability going, I need help here. Can you help me? Rather than me try and lift up dumbbells by myself and do my shoulder. Why would I do that when yeah, someone yeah. can support you? You know what I mean? Have you ever, but just on the UFC, um, I saw that, I saw that, um, uh, that was, that, I saw that last, was it last week, two weeks ago? Anyway, but um, I, have you ever thought about rolling around? hundred percent. Yeah. I was talking to Volk about it. Yeah. Um, I'd absolutely love to. Have you, do you roll? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I just morning. So I, I, I've been doing it for four years now. Rolling um, around, meaning yeah, jujitsu. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rolling um, around, not meaning in I my do wheelchair. I do a bit of, re- a little bit of wrestling. People as, were probably well, thinking rolling around is in, in my wheelchair. I, no, like, no, I do no, a lot no. of that. But not on the vest. But, but, you, but yeah. that's something you could do because because one of the things is like the big thing that I've been when I've been doing this uh, this is uh, research back in hundred. One of the things that's is really important for everybody is movement outside of just um, lateral movements Correct. like you would do if you're bench pressing. You you know how how do I sort of move everything? Like I move my shoulder, my stomach muscle at the yeah. same time. And uh, jiu is really a good way of doing that because you sort of get put in weird positions and you've got to fucking work out how to get out of it. And we do that. Like I've got. I've got zero abs, but like somewhere in there probably got something going on, but it's really hard to activate it and that is a way to do it. Activation, yeah. Yeah, because I activate my shoulders every three seconds, one second we might, that's what I'm building. So your strength to holding yourself upright is where? I don't really have much, mate. Yeah, no. so it's more basically my wheelchair holds yep. you in. Yep. And when I was playing sport, I had a 3D, like a 3D printed carbon seat the same way Danny Rick or Lewis Hamilton that is molded to my body. So the same way that if I move my head, my chair would turn. It was so in tune with my body, if that makes sense. Yeah, man. And, and, and that what, holds you in with strap. I had a snowboard binding system that just strapped me into the wheelchair. So your your uh, neck and shoulder strength must be. Yeah, and, the way, and, and your chair skills, it's called. So the way you maneuver the chair. That's arms. a craft, though. Yeah, that's a craft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, mate. Like, like m- most of my strengths in is in. You got to really go after your back as well because yeah. you're pushing forward a lot. So I do a lot of back to protect. So I don't. I tore my supraspinatus when I was a kid, eighteen playing basketball. When I was like, ne- I had to have a shoulder operation and I couldn't shower, couldn't push my wheelchair, couldn't get dressed because I used my arms. And I was like, what I'm the fuck? Never, mm. ever doing that again. So I really look after myself now to make sure that doesn't happen. So have you thought about? Uh, so, so you know, like you're going to go down with Joe down there at Windang and. Uh, sort of, you know, learn a few a, Mate, a few tricks around this. Bloody Vulcan does check me out whenever he wants. He can put me in that Because I, I know a dude. Have you have you rolled with him? No, I haven't. He, he got me to come down. He, he, they tried to get me to go down there a long time ago when um uh, what's his name was training before the uh before he fought um the the guy from Dagestan, the Dagestani guy, uh, he had Craig uh, yeah, Jones. Jones down there. And these, uh, Mate, he, he texts me, Volk texts me, come down, roll around. I thought, no, I'm not going to get embarrassed myself. They, I, um, Craig Jones, I was with them all in Vegas. They're big units. They'll put you to sleep. Oh, no, I forget. Like, I, mean, I'm, uh, I, I already hit a sore neck just doing what I'm doing. Like, and, yeah. and my, my sore neck lasts about three weeks these days. But but I know I, I just thought it would be pretty cool to, to I, I, I want to give it a crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it when I was at, at training other sports in case something happened, injury. No, because you get an injury. Yeah, and it's like I was – you can ski in a wheelchair. It's called sit skiing where they put a ski under your bottom yeah. and then you've got two little skis on, on you. Hand. Yeah, I've seen so it. You're in a, and then I want to do that as well, but I could never do it because um, of sport. But now I can, but now I can't because I'm acting and if I smash into mate, a tree and, and smash my face. Mate, then I'm – Mate, then I'm, look at this face. Mate, 
I'm 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 a wannabe wheelchair Brad Pitt, huh? man. I'm not I'm not even close. But <laughs> oh, if I make it any worse, yeah, yeah, I got no chance. Look at yeah. you, you rooster. You yeah, but I got but I got makeup on everything. No, I'm just joking. Oh, I, don't, I don't wear don't. makeup. I don't wear makeup. Yeah, actually, I just, from I'm watching, they got makeup room. I, can I, can I, I said no. Are you going to the next UFC in September? I, I, yeah, I, I love it, mate. It's, yeah. a, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, I tell you what, they 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 are some of the fittest athletes I've ever seen. Like you go punch some pads right now. Yeah. You're gassed. Imagine also doing all the other mixed martial arts and hitting it. And also, it's pretty cool to see, um, you know, I love really supporting athletes who aren't in the mainstream, cracking it in the mainstream like they deserve, Yeah. i.e. the Matildas at the moment. Yeah. They deserve it. Like we got one of the best athletes, one of the best athletes in the is Alex Volkanovsky. hundred percent. But top, probably top three of them on the Olympic like he's, you know, incredible. Of all time. That's what I mean. Yeah. Doesn't like – doesn't get the recognition he deserves in the mainstream. He's starting to get it. Love that. And he deserves that. You know what I mean? The same way that Paralympic athletes don't get it. They deserve that because they're incredible athletes and they don't get it. So it's great. You know, I love supporting sports and athletes to that that deserve that and, and to see that transition the way they're doing his bloody sport. Well, what's sick. really important to me in, in those environments is when you see uh, you need someone like uh, Bam Bam Tuvasatai. You know, you need someone like him sort of to – Put some theatre into it. Yeah, I mean, I mean Volk's just incredibly skilled. Like he's just the best, and has been there for a long time, the best. But to really raise the awareness around it, you need someone with some theatre, and and I think that's sort of what you sort of bring to the yeah. game too. Your game, you know, what you're trying to your no. purpose. A little bit of theatre here and there is really, really important. No one cared that I was winning grand slams. They cared about what I said and yeah. the things that I was doing. And, and all the persona. and that's okay. Yeah, and and that's what I, I realised. And, and you have to and, put yourself out there a bit, though. Yeah, oh, man, hundred percent. Like, you know, I've been. I, I was the sports center in America. Top, you know, the top ten plays on sports center, and it wasn't. It was because I won the golden slam. But do you know why I was on there? Because I went out on centre court and they introduced me to the crowd and I sculled a beer out of my trophy, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that got on sports and, yeah, I, yeah. and that's not promoting alcohol. This is what I did. And then and then that is all part of the brand, you know. The, but you don't mind doing that? No, man. The yeah. reason I got on, in the, like I've wrapped on, I crowd surfed in my wheelchair and wrapped on stage with the Wu-Tang Clan. That got me the job in the mainstream media on radio, not because I won tennis tournaments, but they were like, oh, my God, and you've won gold medals. Oh, my God. It becomes that package. But you can't expect every athlete to also be – a role model and advocate. Some of them just want to play sport and yeah. that's okay. But there are other athletes who want to speak on things, whether it's important things about culture or they just want to have fun and be themselves, right? And we gravitate towards that in whatever way um, that we do. And yeah, I try to do a bit of everything. I luckily won some tennis tournaments. I won I won some won some awards, things like that. I can do the advocate side, but I can also be a, a silly dickhead and have a good time as well. And I think that kind of created the the uh the monster that we've created now. The monster. Yeah. Actually, we had a guy sitting right there called The Monster, the uh, guy who played. Jesse um, Williams. Yeah. yeah. Jesse, oh, he sat right there. Did he? Yeah, yeah. He, in my wheelchair. He yeah, would fit. No, no. He's a monster. He's the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. He had like, he benched like bloody 300 kilos in his Yeah, he's, and, and of course, he's, you know, he's got the ring, etc. Like, he, he, he came in here like it was like. Uh, uh, blocked out all the light sort of thing. Like yeah. this is just a giant dude. Imagine that dude running at you on the football Oh, field. my God. Well, he's out here now recruiting. He's living in Australia. He's yeah. out here recruiting for um, NFL players in, in his communities. Yeah, cool. Yeah, especially and in the Indigenous communities. You raised a good point so about good. athletes as well, like even like, you know, with the with Bam Bam. He's representing Western Sydney who don't often get represented unless totally. they're playing rugby league for the Penrith Panthers. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and that's true. And, and how, he does it ferociously. But how awesome is that? Encouraging. And, and like I'm repping my community – wholeheartedly warts and all because I love it. 
You yeah. know what I mean? And that's what it's about. It's about bringing everybody up with you, hopefully. Yeah. And them getting opportunities, not just you. And that's what it's all about. And that's what they're doing. And athletes doing community. I love that. I love that, mate. Yeah, he, he's 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 really good. I, I, before we wrap, I just want to ask one quick question. Leave you don't, and if you don't mind, you might not want to go there. But um, how's your personal life now? You 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 got a partner? You, you, are you, are you going to get married? Are you going to play the game? What's the deal? Are you no, going to have looking, kids? You're looking for a Daily Mail scoop here or something? Yeah, yeah totally. Jesus, we got the cameras on you here soon. So got, just be careful, um, mate. I, <laughs> I, your manager over there saying no. We're not yeah, talking about that, no, no. <laughs> mate. I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah. I, we, it's. I'm very lucky that I got incredible. Partner Chantel, she's a sexologist. She's killing it in her own right and, and really, you know, changing the game around around that industry and, and normalising it. And um, I'm proud of, you know, she's proud of what I'm doing in disability and, and vice versa. And I've got an incredible group of mates and beautiful family and love the work they were doing at my foundation, which is called the Dylan Orca Foundation, really crap name, but where we support um, young Australians with disability achieve their dreams in employment, in education, in sport and, you know, the support that we've, the support, the support that I and we have had from the Australian community and all around the world is just, I'm, I'm just, I get lost for words about it, but I'm so grateful. And, uh, I just can't thank everybody enough for what we're doing. And, and personally, mate, I'm, I'm happy exploring new things and having a crack and, and please don't be sad that I'm retired because I'm happy and I have not hit one tennis ball since I retired and I don't plan to. And that's okay, not because I hate tennis. It's because I'm happy doing other things and living my life and and getting out there and having a crack. And yeah, mate, I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm really looking after myself and, and having a good time and enjoying what I'm doing, mate. So yeah, thank you for asking. How's yours? Uh, mine's pretty good, uh, but but it's you know it's sort of uh, it's I think I've been married three times, so relationships to me are pretty tough mm. to manage because um maybe it's not their fault. My usually my fault. You know, because I just find it hard to fit everything in. Like you've got, you got to, to prioritize. You've got, you got to allocate. You, you got to must. work on it. You yeah, must. Yeah. And and we didn't. And if I don't get pressured to do it, it just it runs away from itself. If you know what I mean. Like so, some people in relationships have in the past have not told me that I need to spend time, and uh, as a result, I, I I don't know any difference. So I'm just running off doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, and I, there's only 24 hours in a day. And, yeah. And I think you've got to you've got to make time and. And, and allocate. You got to put the effort in. And mate, relationships, my relationship is probably the best thing in my life. And um, you know, we we often get articles written about us. Until we don't want these articles written every five seconds. Probably gonna be an article written about this, to be honest. And yeah. we don't ask for that. But what it does show is, you know, for my community, people with disability, we get left out of that relationship. Um, pull that circle because people don't want to engage. They don't think we can have sex or whatever it is. And what was the scaredest I've ever been about my life? It was relationships. Yeah, it was, oh, my was God, funny. when I was young. Petrifying. I'm never going to get anybody. Oh, mate. That was the thing I was most worried about, easily. And I've had beautiful partners in the in the past who, like, who really didn't care about my disability and it made me confident and things like that. And I was very lucky to have, um, you know, have experience in it, but not everybody gets that experience. And, you know, we don't like always talking about it, but if we can change that for somebody out there, an able person who wants to ask someone on a date or a person with disability asking someone else, you know what I mean? That's that's what that's awesome. That goes beyond having a job or, you know, that that's like beautiful and, and and I want more people to experience the things that I'm very lucky to experience for sure. It's uh I, I was feeling a bit flat when I came this morning because as as we both know we lost the game last night. I felt shitty this morning and um 
and mainly because I didn't sleep very well. But I did go to the gym. The gym actually sort of gave me a bit of a buzz as it normally does because, as you say, I said earlier, gym's more about as, as much about mental health yeah. as it's about physical health. Uh, definitely my case, that's the case. Um, but after sitting down with talking to you, talking with you this morning about the stuff that I'm getting from you, um, you've given me a whole lot of energy. You've energised me. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling fucking great. Let's now. go, mate. Yeah, let's go. I let's mean, go I'm, to the gym. We'll smash each other. Let's go roll. No, go give you a let's go. go. Oh, we've got King's Cross Gym on the road where I go to oh. old Larry Papadopoulos. Um, but I'm happy to go there. No, but I'm, I want to say to you, honestly, um, you are an inspiration and I feel, and an inspiration to me is someone who energises me about a thought process. So you have energised me in relation to my thought processes and, and uh, you allow me to have an opportunity to raise you know, living to 100 again. And, it, and sometimes we don't prosecute these things hard enough. It's a good thought. It's a good idea. We learn about it. We start curious. We learn about it, but we don't prosecute. And you are the ultimate prosecutor in, in terms of your purpose and your thought processes. So I really appreciate it. And thanks for the inspiration, mate. Good on you, mate. You're a good man. We uh, we sat next to each other on a plane one day and we were too nervous to say hi to each other. So <laughs> we're not going to do that again, are we? We're, Never again. We're gonna, you and, no, no. So be, anyone watching, it happens to all of us. I'll be it, ordering a gin and tonic. We were we, we just looking at each other like, get a man, hang on. We ain't that anymore. Mate, you're a bloody legend. I appreciate you giving us the space to talk. And, thanks uh, very much. Let's be friends. Deal? Don't. Done, mate. Good on you, mate. That, that, that's pretty cool. Oh, right, yeah. Thank you. Love it. Great job. That was really good. That was fantastic. I, I loved it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Talk with Mark Boris. Audio production by Jessica Smalley. Production assistants, Jonathan Leondis and Dimitri Gremos. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.